In our series on uh, 12 Words of Hope for the World, it's uh, difficult to grasp, but we've come to the final word. The word today is truth, a big word, truth. In John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, the 31st verse, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The word of the Lord. Well, a Martian makes an emergency landing in a farmer's field. And the farmer invites her in for dinner. You thought it was a he, didn't you? Gotcha. And they enjoy a wonderful meal together, exchanging questions and answers. And the Martian asked, she said, what are all those ribbons that are running around the earth? And they have little box-like things moving on them in two different directions. And the farmer said, oh, you must mean our roads and highways. And those are our cars, our, our mode of transportation. And so the Martian said, um, okay, so, so what are those larger boxes I saw when I was coming in? And they had a, a little flag on a pole out in front of them with some orange rectangles lined up. The farmer had to think and said, oh, oh, okay, you must mean our schools and school buses. That's where we educate our children. And then the Martian said, uh, she said, well, you know, I noticed coming in these large things that look like bowls. And they had stripes, lines in them. And the farmer said, oh, oh yeah, uh, you mean our football fields. And he said, if you're going to hang around here, you're going to have to pull for UVA, Virginia Tech, or the Spiders. And she said, you pull for spiders. Yeah. And then she said, what are those boxes that have an upside-down cone on the top of them with two sticks? And the farmer had to think about that one, and then he said, well, you must mean our churches. And she said, yeah. Churches. What is a church? Huh. Peter Drucker, a management consultant, once said that every business needs to ask two fundamental questions. What business are you in and how is business going? And if you don't know what business you're in, if you're not clear about that, then it will be impossible for you to know if you're getting any better at your business. That makes perfect sense, right? So the question is whether the church knows what business it is in. 
How do you answer the Martian? Or those who are outside the church this morning, why are we here? And what are we trying to accomplish as church? Are we getting any better at it? And those are pretty important questions in light of our current national and world situation. It is no time for a church to be confused about its business. The Constitution of the Presbyterian Church claims six great ends of the church. In other words, six purposes for any church on any corner, anywhere. And here they are. The proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind the shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God, the maintenance of divine worship, the preservation of the truth, the promotion of social righteousness, and the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. Wow! That's our business. Truth is a huge word for the church. And it's right there in the account of Adam and Eve, the serpent lies. Right in the third chapter of Genesis, we have an issue with the truth. You don't even get through the third chapter. The fourth verse in the third chapter of the book runs into the problem of truth and lies and deception. The serpent defies the truth that God has spoken. So God said they will die if they partake of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. If you take the story literally, then there's literally a fruit. If you take it as truth without facts, that it's somewhat of a metaphor about the truth, then this fruit, this quest to obtain the knowledge of good and evil is the quest to be, to rise above your human status and to be like unto God. There is the origin of all sin. Not knowing who we are and who God is. If you partake of that fruit, you disconnect yourself from God, you die. Clear enough. But the serpent twists that truth and says there in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, you will not die. There's the lie. There's the lack of truth. You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is all knowledge. It's omnipotence. You will be like God. So who's telling the truth? Third chapter in the Bible. We're already tripping over it. Who's telling the truth? The rest of the Bible 
The entire rest of the book is a story about God working with humanity to restore the truth. That's what the whole thing's about. Dealing with the truth can be a painful thing. You remember Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men? You remember that movie? If you're young, Google it. He was being court-martialed. He was on trial, and he spoke this famous line to Tom Cruise. You know what it was? What was it? You can't handle the truth. Now, let me ask you something. Why did you remember that line? Of all the lines in all the movies, why do you think we remembered Jack Nicholson's line, you can't handle the truth? I think it's because it rang so true. He said something that resonated, resonated into the human heart. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth you and I cannot handle. When I was training to be a pastoral counselor back in the 80s, I presented a case um, in supervision on one of my clients who was really locked up in denial. And my supervisor made a very astute observation. He said, Steve, why would you want to strip away all of her denial? You need a certain amount of denial, he said, to get up out of bed in the morning. I never really thought about it that way, but it rang so true. Denial can be a very helpful coping mechanism when the raw truth, the raw truth is just too much for us to bear. You can't handle the truth. Yes, that's right sometimes, Jack. Sometimes I need a little bit of denial just to move around. There's a Jim Carrey movie. Obviously, I've been thinking about movies this week. There's a Jim Carrey movie called Liar, Liar. Did you see that one? He plays a lawyer named Fletcher Reed, and Fletcher is notorious for lying, and his family life is in shambles. He's divorced. He's got a little boy named Max. Everything that Fletcher does uh, in his law practice is based on lies. Everything he does with his family is based on lies. So his son Max, his little boy Max, on his birthday makes a wish when he blows out his candles on the cake that his daddy would not be able to lie, that he couldn't lie for just one day. And his wish came true. And Fletcher could not lie all day long. The movie's hilarious. I mean, just what he tries not to come out of his mouth. Uh, he's trying not to lie all day. Well, he, he can't lie. And what, a, what an interesting day that would be 
If for an entire day you could not tell even a little white lie, which is an untruth to spare someone's feelings, perhaps, or to be polite. You couldn't even tell one of those. You'd have to tell the raw truth. I could hear it right now. You come out of church and you say, that sermon was too long. (laughs) Or you come out and say, you have a propensity for boredom. And I don't like the way you comb your hair. No, I think I would prefer, I liked you better when you lied. You know, good sermon, that was great. You see, it's a very Presbyterian thing to begin worship with a prayer of confession like we just did this morning. You ever wonder why we do that? Methodists don't particularly do that. Baptists don't do it. Some of the other denominations don't begin their worship with a prayer of confession, but it's sort of a hallmark of the Presbyterian church. Any Presbyterian church you go in around the country, one of the first things that will happen in worship, right in the very beginning, before you get too far into it, there will be a prayer of confession. And I've had some people say to me over the years, couldn't we just skip that every now and then? I mean, I had one guy tell me, he said, you know, half the stuff in there I've not done. (laughs) And I said, yeah, Harry, but there's half the stuff you have done that ain't in there. (laughs) You see, that's not the point. Whether you're specific personal sins are in that prayer or not is not the point. The point is, it's a general corporate community prayer and we say it together. Coming, if you keep coming to worship long enough, just keep coming to church long enough and you'll find something in that prayer that is true for you. Or that prayer will find something true about who you are. We Presbyterians begin worship with a prayer of confession because we have to deal with the truth, the preservation of the truth. The Bible has it right when it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in John's gospel, it writes, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship, must worship, must worship in spirit and Anything else, if we came into worship, would be hypocrisy, cover-up, shallow, insignificant. How could you have an authentic relationship with anybody if it's not based on the truth? The church has this word. This is one of our words, truth, the preservation of the truth. We've stumbled around with it since the third chapter of Genesis, and we still stumble with it. The lack of truth 
is at the core of all of our sin. At the base of all sin is a lie. God says the world is this way and the lie says, oh no, the world's another way. And therein lies our disconnection with God. We believe the lie. And if we struggle with it, how much do you think our nation struggles with the truth? How much is the world struggling right now with the truth? Well, well, think about it. There are numerous investigations going on in our nation that are very expensive and timely, time costing time and human energy. All those investigations are trying to get to the It's hard to do. And then there's fake news as opposed to true news. There's North Korea this morning, all over our news. Who's telling the truth about who's doing what in North Korea? There's Russia. Who's telling the truth and who's lying about what's going on with Russia? There's Syria. That's almost another holocaust. Who's telling the truth about all that? There are cyber attacks that are spreading lies all over the place with elections and everything else being attacked now by computers. Radicalized Muslims are telling people what they perceive to be their truth. That's their truth as opposed to my truth. And your truth. Who's telling the truth? Conservatives have a truth. This is the truth. Liberals have a truth. No, this is the truth. Who's telling the truth? The moderates. Both the church and the world have a hard, hard time. This is a big word. The world has a hard time with the truth. We tripped over it. In chapter 3, verse 4 of the first book of the Bible. And they kept tripping over it all the way through. Israel, David, Bathsheba. All of them. Judas. It just kept going. Now is not... A good time for a church to be confused about its business. The world desperately needs what we have. The preservation of the truth. Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I'm not so sure that we humans can just come to the truth on our own power. We will be tied up like Jim Carrey in Liar, Liar, just struggling with both our natures. Paul said it, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do do. Very confusing. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of sin and death? Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? I am the truth. So the truth sets 
that wretched man or woman free from this body of sin and death. I'm not sure we can just wake up tomorrow morning and decide that truth is going to be 100% of who we are. I'm not sure we can produce any of these 12 words. Think about this. Family, faith, freedom, unity, compassion, neighbor, prayer, forgiveness, abundance, heart, humility, and truth. Those have been our words. And the way I look at those words is they are byproducts of being in a relationship with God. They're not humanly produced. They're not something you can just, by your own sheer will, produce this quality of life. But rather, this quality of life is reflected through you as a byproduct of your relationship with God. These are God's characteristics. Loyalty and commitment to family. What if the world had healthier families and less dysfunction? Faith in the sovereignty of God rather than in the circumstances of humanity. What if we had freedom for all people and not just a few? Unity, compassion, and living as if every person in the world is actually a neighbor of yours. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. What would it mean to be connected, literally connected? Not the false prayers, not the fake prayers, not the, you know, the fancy prayers. But real prayer. What if you were connected to God in prayer? And what if the grace was there to forgive other people, to heal the past, but also the strength to be forgiven when you need change? What if the world sought a different kind of abundance? Not in the money and the houses and the cars and the trips, but in the abundance of life that Jesus talked about. What if we had a clean heart? Genuine humility. And a commitment to the truth. Does all that sound like utopia? Yeah. Or... Or, does it sound like the kingdom of God? Well, after this discussion, the Martian pushed back from the table with her coffee cup. Martians drink coffee. (laughs) And she nodded her head to the farmer after he answered her question, what is a church? And she said to him, this church is a very important part of your world. To which the farmer said, indeed it is.